Dr. Craig Sider. Married 42 years. Wow. You know, I, I look out at, at you, and many of you are looking across your life and asking, I wonder where God's going to take me. Well, I'm middle-aged. Well, I'm middle-aged if people live to be 126, okay? <laughs> and I'm looking back and I say, I can't believe where God has taken me. God has been incredibly faithful and generous and taken me on an adventure. And my prayer is, as you give God your heart, God will do exactly the same thing for you. Now the reality is, God has placed you here. He's placed you here in Philadelphia. Uh, Twice in the last month, I found myself in Nashville. Has anybody in the room been to Nashville? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a... Don't tell them, okay? It's a crazy city. Like, it's, it's country music capital. And I can put up with country music a little bit. So you go down there, and you walk down... They have a Broadway. You walk down Broadway, and only Nashville would have Honky Tonk Central. That's kind of a big place downtown. And as you walk by the bars, and I said this before, as you walk by the bars, every bar has music coming out of it, and every, every bar has live band. I mean, there's just, and usually the street is closed off. It has a live band. They have a replica of the Colosseum in Nashville, not, the, not Athens, Georgia, but Athens, Greece, like the real one, replica, life-size. So it's a very unique place. And I was at a university uh, twice for different meetings, and you know, I'd be sitting at a table with professors, and I'd have my name tag on, Craig Sider, or I'd be in a conversation standing in a circle, and inevitably they ask the question they sometimes ask. Craig, where are you from? I said, well, I live in Philadelphia, and of course the Phillies were in the playoffs then, and I said, well, I'm, I, I live in Philadelphia, but I'm, I'm from Canada. You know, Canadians are like that. I'm from Canada. It's kind of like Texans. I don't know if you've ever met a Texan. You know, you talk to somebody and you say, hey, like Ryan, where are you from? Well, I live in Syracuse, but I'm from Texas. And then you get in a conversation with them and you find out, they say, you know, Texas was its own country. I go, I know Texas was its own country. But God doesn't have you in Texas and God doesn't have you in Syracuse and God doesn't have you in Canada. God has you here. What brought you here? Now, Pastor Dwight said, now, Craig, we're a Presbyterian church, so we don't talk out loud very much at church, kind of like church I grew up in. If somebody said amen at the church I grew up in, you knew they were a guest from somewhere else, right? It might be true here. Well, here's why I'm in Philadelphia. Those are my three grandkids. I'll see them this afternoon. That's Brennan on the left. He's three, and I think he's a wolf that day. And that's Sadie, who's five, and that's Liana, who's nine. And we were living, Ryan, thanks for your uh, introduction. We were living in New York City, and our organization had gone global. And I said to Laura, my wife, I said, we don't, we don't need to live in Jersey or Connecticut. We can actually live wherever you want to live. Where should we live? And she said, really? We're going to live there. So we moved to Philadelphia 
because of Liana and Sadie and Brennan. They have parents. We really don't care about their parents. We, we live here because of them. But God has me here. God has you here. What brought you to Philadelphia? I'm going to say some of you were born and raised here, like you're a longtime Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, Union fan. I'm going to guess a number of you came here for school, for your bachelor's, for your master's, for your doctorate. Some of you may have married someone here, and you looked at the person beside you and say, you brought me here. Some of you are here because work moved you here. Some of you say, I'm not going to be in Philly very long, and some of you go, well, I might stay for a while. But I want to say to you this morning that God has you here. That was an amen. I just want you to know I'm taking that as an amen back then. Silas, thank you for reading that passage this morning. Can I give it a little context, a little bit of history? I don't know if there's any history majors here. Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. He did some raiding back to Jerusalem, Judea, took some people, moved them back to Babylon. He did it a second time, took some people, moved them back to Babylon. Now God's people are exiles in Babylon. There's still some of them back in Jerusalem. They're going to be taken later. So Jeremiah the prophet comes along, and he's writing from Jerusalem to the exiles in Babylon, and he's speaking for God. So let me read that text again for us. This is what the Lord Almighty, God of Israel, says. Stop. This is not Jeremiah writing and saying, let me give you my opinion. This is the word of God to the exiles, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, from New York City to Philadelphia. Marry and have sons and daughters. Plant gardens, build houses, find wives, and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Don't decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper too. Let me pause and pray for us. Let me pray. Father, uh, you know, as each of us sits here this morning, what brought us to this city for such a time as this. I pray that the truth of your word will be alive for each of us as we contemplate you and your truth this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jeremiah is writing uh, to people who, who aren't there by their own choice. God says, build houses, plant gardens, seek the peace of the city, seek the prosperity of the city, pray for the city. God is saying to Jeremiah, you tell the people, God has you here. Fast forward through the centuries, God has us here. This isn't just a stopping point to get something. God has me here. And he has us here for his purposes. And we're here in Philadelphia. Philly's a beautiful place. I mean, it's, 
it's a place of artistry, it's a place of beauty, it's a place of history, it's a place of opportunity. Till yesterday it was a place of sports, but I think it's going to be again today. Uh, it has beautiful, my wife and I went out for our anniversary to South Street, beautiful restaurants on South Street. Philly's a beautiful place, but it's a broken place. It's a place of brokenness. It's, it's, a, it's a place of pain. It's a place of poverty. It's a place of division. And in the Old Testament, God said to the people through Jeremiah, you're there. Make it good. Then you travel through time 600 years and you come to Jesus. One of my favorite verses out of the New Testament is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18. And it says this, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. But Jesus, God's Son, makes Him known. So if you want to know what God looks like, then you have to see what Jesus looks like. So we're going to leave Jeremiah, who was born and ministered 600 years before Jesus, we're going to leave Jeremiah in the Old Testament. But we're going to pull now from Jesus who lives for us today. And I have a sense that you're here this morning because you either love Jesus or you're intrigued by Jesus. Either you say, you know, Jesus is really important to me. I see him as the Son of God and I want to live my life for him. Or you might say, well, I'm here because a friend invited me, but I'm intrigued by Jesus. Well, I want us to hear this morning from Jesus. What does Jesus say about us being in Philadelphia? Because whether we really like it or we may not or we're neutral, we're all in Philadelphia this morning. So what's God have to say to us? Let me give you three passages. And we'll do it by looking at three circles. The first is, if you've been around church some, you've heard this verse for a long time are these verses, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And let me read them for you. In fact, can we do this? This is from the gospel, so I'm going to ask you to stand while I read it. Is that all right? I know you were up late last night, so here. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may be seated. Here's, here's the charge of Jesus for renewal. Here's the charge of Jesus for me. Here's the charge of Jesus for you individually. He says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I don't know who you saw this morning that isn't with you here at church, but every person you saw so far today is someone God loves and Jesus died for. Every person. I, I parked my car down the street and I walked up the sidewalk and there was a guy coming with me with, toward me with two pit bulls. Now, I was tempted to think that God didn't love him, but he does. The, you've never seen a person in Philadelphia that God doesn't love and Jesus didn't die for. 
And you know this, that all the nations live in Philadelphia. I, I, I take Uber uh, when I go to the airport and I come back from the airport and I was flying back from Nashville. I got in at midnight and I'm really glad Uber was still working and I'm one of those guys that when I get into an Uber, I tend to talk to the person. I know some people don't. I do. And I realize God never has me there by accident. And the person who's driving is someone that God loves and someone that Jesus died for. No exceptions. Now, I don't plunge in by saying, hey, do you know Jesus? I say this, and some, you have to be careful with this, but I say, you know, I'm... I tend to recognize them, and they talk a little bit, and I say, well, I'm, I'm from another country. Are you as well? They go, oh, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Canada. You know what they say? That's such a nice place. They always say that. And I say, where are you from? They go, well, I'm from Pakistan, or I'm from Bangladesh, or I'm from Morocco. And we start to have a conversation, and I hear about their family, and I hear about their work, and I hear what's hard for them. And I hear about their pain. And I hear about their hopes. And I remind myself that God loves them and Jesus died for them. I'm not just getting a ride. I'm encountering somebody that God loves. Your eyes have never seen another person in this city that God doesn't love. Your professor the one you like the least. God loves them. Jesus died for them. Your coworkers, if you're working, your friends, your boss, the cussing executive, the cashier, the person in front of you at the Powerball line, if you get those, the person behind you who lays on the horn when you're trying to drive, the schoolmate who says Christians are absolutely crazy. Every person, no matter how successful or how poor, every person, no matter how nice or how ugly, every person, God loves them and Jesus died for them. And Jesus said somewhere, I said, let me tell you how it works. It's, it was in Matthew 5, verses uh, 14 to 16. He goes, you're like, you are like a light that's on a hill, and when it's lit, it just shines to everybody around them. Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, I could see how that person would make a nice Christian, and I'm not pointing at anybody here, but that person over there, they could never make a nice Christian. That person, I don't think they're far away. That person, they're so mean and so antagonistic. And sometimes I think we forget that when Jesus and the Father picked someone to be his primary voice in the New Testament, he picked the most antagonistic person available in Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. Every person your eye sees today is someone God loved and Jesus died for. The famed mathematician from France, Pascal, said there is this, there's this God-shaped vacuum in every person's heart. Uh, Ryan said that Laura and I planted a, a church in Toronto. It was, oh, I, I don't want to tell you the decade. It was 1980s. 
And we were a parachute plant. That means they took my wife and I, I was 26, and they plopped us in the neighborhood and they said, go plant a church. So we did the best that we could. God was gracious, church grew. I remember Glenn's name when he started kind of testing the church. His wife came to church some, and I thought, that last name, I, I know that last name. And I said to her, so what's, what's your husband's name? And she said, it's Glenn. I go, he played in the National Hockey League. He, he played for Chicago, and he played for Minnesota. Yeah, that's, that's him. He, he doesn't really like church. So that's okay. Now I would see him at picnics, and one night Glenn said to me, I got to know him a little bit. He said, hey, come on over to my house. I came over to his house. And we sat down at his kitchen table. Ryan, I can picture it in my mind right now. And he looked across at me and he says, I am not going to become a Christian. I said, Glenn, I, I, I've never made anybody a Christian. Um, that's fine. Let's have coffee. So we had coffee. And then he started talking about faith. And then we had an hour conversation about Jesus. And I think prompted by God's Spirit, I said to him, hey, Glenn, can you think of a good reason why you can't become a Christian? And he goes, no. I said, would you like to? And he goes, yes. See, because God put that shape in his heart. I wasn't trying to make him into something I could make him. God had already placed that shape in his heart. Every person is designed by God. In Jesus' words in Matthew 28, here's my encouragement to you, whether you go to school or work this week. Every person you see in your neighborhood, every person you see at school, every person that you see at work, God is calling you to be a part of making disciples. And we don't cram the light, we shine the light. We shine his light to every corner of our city with an ethic of love. I'm, I'm enamored by Mother Teresa and how she lived her life. She was, if you don't know of her name, an Albanian nun who went and served for her life in Calcutta, India, and really gave her life to caring for the least of the least, who were the poorest of the poor. And she said, it's not really about doing great things. She said, in this life we don't do great things. We only do small things and we do it with great love. God has you here, and he has you here to make disciples. Now, I said I'm Canadian, right? So American, I call it American Thanksgiving, because Canadians also have a Thanksgiving. But we have it early October. If we waited till the fourth Thursday of November, everything would be frozen. So we do ours a little earlier, right? So on November 1 in our house, Christmas music begins. So Christmas music is on Pandora, Spotify, it's on everything in our house. So I'm thinking Christmas these days. So here's my encouragement to you. Where, where could God use you at your age? And you have in your mind right now what your age is. How could God use you at your age to be a light to somebody between now and Christmas. Because God has you here.
God has you here. Well, that's the first circle. Let me go to a second circle. This is a longer passage, and I'm going to read it. You don't need to stand at this time, but it's from Matthew 25. And uh, we'll put it up on the screen if we can. And here it is. Listen to, listen to Jesus, who he's speaking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered together before him. He'll separate the people from one another, just like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and he'll put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Uh, that, that, I got to tell you, friends, that can be such a hard passage. I don't I don't like that eternal punishment verse. And I really don't want anything to be possible for that to happen in my life. So I tend to think, okay, I'm going to give to the hungry. I'm going to help the thirsty. I'm going to help the prisoner. I'm going to help the stranger. I'll do it out of my Christian duty. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Brian said my degrees in business and economics, my first degree, and I, I love business. I have, I still do. I like how the world works financially. God's given me the privilege of walking alongside a lot of businessmen and businesswomen who've happened to be successful. Uh, he, I won't mention his name, he and I were talking one day. I've known him over 40 years. And I know he loves God. I mean, I know he reads his Bible. Uh, I know he gives generously. And he looked at me and he said, Craig, I, I don't see Jesus. I, I can't hear his voice. I mean, I read scripture, but I, I don't hear his voice. 
And I believe in Him with all of my heart, but I want to hear Him. I want to see Him. I want to experience Him. I want to encounter Him. As I was reading Matthew 25 this morning, I thought, that's the key. I used to see that passage out of duty. I need to help the least of these because I'm a good, dutiful Christ follower. And the light went on to me, and Jesus said, no, you serve the least of these because you want to find me and encounter me and experience me. I discovered Jesus. I looked into the face of Jesus when I helped the poor and the heartbroken and the painful. Jesus said, you'll find me and experience me when you care for those who are hurting. How, how long have you been in Philadelphia? Some of you say, well, not very long. But you know it's got a lot of hurt. You know that poverty in Philadelphia is twice the national average. You know that 37% of kids in Philadelphia live in poverty. God doesn't just have you here for a degree. God doesn't just have you here for time. God has you here for now. To care for the least. Uh, COVID, I don't know if all of you were here during COVID. COVID hit Philadelphia hard. Oh my goodness. So many people just unable to get food. And my wife, Laura, uh, our church, I attend Epic Church, and our church said, we want to help those who are really struggling to get food during this season. Would anybody be willing to call them as they've let themselves be aware and just talk to them on the phone, say food is on its way, how can we help you, how can we pray for you? And Laura loves talking to people on the phone. She said, I'd be happy to call them. And she would call them and hear their story and their heartbreak. She'd come back to me, and I was working full-time, come back to me and say, Craig, like, I just, my heart breaks, but I just saw Jesus. Like, I, I just saw Jesus in caring for the least of these. I have a sense this morning, you're actually here. Well, Ryan, you said there's pretzels out there. Maybe you're here for the pretzels, but I have a sense you're here because you want to see Jesus. I, I, I think you really want to see Jesus. And Jesus said, you will see me and you'll experience me when you care for those who are broken and hurting and poor. God has you here. If you're in school between now and Christmas, you have final exams. They're, they're brutal. You have papers to write. You have projects to do. You're at work. A number of you are lower on the totem pole on the stacking order at work so all the work gets pushed to you and between now and Christmas it's like this mad rush and I want to say if you want to really see Jesus find a space of time between now and Christmas where you as an individual reach out and care for the least of these you will find Jesus Can I give you one more circle? Well, that's not really a question because I'm going to do it anyway. 
Let me give you one more circle. It's John 17, 20 to 23, very quickly. It's one of Jesus' final prayers. And here it is. Uh, Jesus, red letter words. My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking like down the road to us. My prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one just as you are one. I in them and you in me. So they might may be brought together in total unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I love them even as you love me. Here we are sitting this morning in this Presbyterian church. You might say, I, I didn't know it was Presbyterian. Yeah, we're sitting in this Presbyterian church. There is something beautiful that happens in this city when you link arms with other followers of Jesus. Different color, different denomination, different expression of worship. Something incredibly beautiful happens when we work for unity. A number of years ago, my best friend, who's a business guy, uh, he said, hey, Craig, it was late in the evening, he said, Craig, let's, let's take our wives on a cruise uh, next year to celebrate all of our birthdays because we're all about the same age. I said, okay, I'll, I'll talk to Laura about it. I'll, I'll see what she says. So we went back to our little cottage, and I said to Laura, uh, John wants us to go on a cruise next year. Number one, I get motion sickness. And number two, we don't have money to go on a cruise. We kind of agreed. Uh, so we went up to the main cottage the next morning. John pulled me over and said, oh, I forgot to tell you. If you're able to go on a cruise, uh, you don't need to pay. We'll pay your way. I said, well, you know, I don't get that motion sickness much. So they took us on their first Caribbean cruise, and the second, the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. I know, you want his name, don't you? Then they took us on two European boat cruises. And I remember on the first one, we went down the Danube River. We started Nuremberg, Germany, went down to Budapest, Hungary. And all the stops were these beautiful cathedrals. Every city had them. And you'd walk inside the cathedral, and because they're high like this building, you're, you're just, your eyes go up. That was the intent. And every single one of them had beautiful stained glass. Now, you know, I have this little PowerPoint. Do you know what I put in this PowerPoint this morning? I put a picture of stained glass. And then I walked in the sanctuary this morning and went, oh, they have stained glass. Look over on the left. Beautiful stained glass, made up of individual pieces of glass, where if they're by themselves, they really don't tell the story. But you put the glass piece together with the glass piece and the glass piece and the glass piece, and then you have a beautiful story of Jesus. When you decide as a follower of Jesus that I am going to link arms with other followers of Jesus in Philadelphia, when this church, which it does, when Renewal Presbyterian says, we're going to link arms together with other churches across Philadelphia, i got to tell you, God does something beautiful. And you look at each other and you say, God's, God's church is diverse. 
And the city looks in on the church and say, with a church like that that gets along and loves the city together, it's going to make a difference. In our beginning of the service this morning, Ryan led us through a statement where we declared Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you work together with other followers of Jesus, you're declaring Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you're also letting this city know, and Pastor Terry's going to talk about it, something beautiful is going on. So between now and Christmas, how can you break out of a bubble and link arms with followers of Jesus that are just a little different than you. Who don't worship just quite like you do. Who you may think, oh, they're really like noisy when they worship. Or their expressions are different. But would cause Philadelphia to stand up and say, there's a beautiful church going on in Philadelphia. God has you here. So, Craig, where are you from? Well, I'm from Canada. But I live in Philadelphia. And I love Philadelphia. Because God has me here. And God has you here. To make a difference for his kingdom. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I want to thank you for every person in this room. I would love to know their story, but you know their story. You know where they were born. You know when they were born. You know what they're facing right now, this week. You know their ambitions, you know their dreams, you know their pressures. And in all of that, you have placed them here in this city for now. I, I pray, Lord God, that every single one of us will encounter you as we love our city, that we'll see people as being made in your image, that we will care for the least of these. We won't just try and avoid them, but we'll love them. And I pray that we'll have big hearts for the beautiful mosaic of the body of Christ as a way of honoring you and celebrating who we are in Jesus. And I pray it because it's your heart. It's your heart for every person here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.